Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1174, air date February 27th, 2023. Hello, good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayodhure. Um, I haven't done a live in a long time because I've been very, very busy. Um, as people, many of you know, we've launched our United States Senate campaign uh, in Massachusetts against Elizabeth Warren, and you're going to learn today why she is indeed uh, a real racist, and we're going to define racism, but you're also going to learn in the context of today's discussion why Scott Adams is also a racist and Elizabeth Warren are racist, and a number of people are racist, but it's not what you think. We're going to have a, a discussion that, frankly, has not taken place in America, unfortunately, for, for frankly, ever, because the discussion of racism has been owned by racists, and today you're going to learn a definition of racism that truly defines racism. And from this discussion, it's going to actually help unite people of all races because um, you're going to learn that the racists actually prosper from dividing people and profit from that division. And that's the real definition of racism. So um, I want to introduce um, some of our my colleagues and panelists today. Um, we have John Medlar in Cambridge. We have Kristen Falvey. Uh, we have uh, Suresh joining us, and we have Bruce Padmore. Um, uh, and we're going to have a discussion today. Number one, the agenda is, what is racism? And we need to define this really well, because there's a lot of people denying there's racism, and the other people saying there's racism when they're actually pitting people against each other. You're going to learn within that context why Elizabeth Warren is a racist. You're going to also learn why Scott Adams is a flaming racist. And we're going to share with you how a number of people are racist because they specifically are using division for their personal gain. And that's really um, what racism is. Then we're going to provide, as we always do in our discussion, how we actually solve this and what is the solution. In fact, there's been a solution for many, many decades that actually works. But those in power have no interest in implementing the solution broadly because they actually profit from racism, from division. And you'll ultimately realize that racism is actually a cornerstone of monopoly capitalism and imperialism. And the same people who are uh, advancing racism are the ones who do not have want to have this broader discussion of what racism really is. So let me, first of all, uh, begin by defining racism so we all get it clear. And you may want to write this down. Racism and a racist is somebody who uses division among people and accentuates those divisions. It could be the color of the skin. It could be their religion. It could be some aspect of that individual or groups of individuals so they can profit from that either by discussing those differences or talking about how they're going to ameliorate those uh, differences when they actually never promote a solution. So that's the definition of racism. People who divide people by some uh, physical aspect, some other material aspect, and they profit from that division. So they profit from this division and they personally profit typically um, from accentuating those differences. That is what the definition of real racism is. People calling me the N-word, which I've been called. People have called me all sorts. I've, in fact, been called a white supremacist. Um, this is, frankly, ignorance. It's not racism, okay? So we have to define ignorance from racism. Racism is a pillar of imperialism. It's a pillar of monopoly capitalism. And it's created so we don't see the real enemy. And maybe, you know, me being brown in between white and black and yellow or something, I have a perspective on this because I've been called a white supremacist. I've been called the N-word, the Shudra word. I've been treated in all different ways. So I have a perspective on this that Scott Adams doesn't, that Elizabeth Warren doesn't, that Al Sharpton doesn't, that Jesse Jackson doesn't, who the latter two are basically poverty pimps who've used racism for their own profiting. So let's begin with this fundamental definition of racism. So again, I want to invite everyone. We have a wonderful group of panelists. We have um, John here. We have Kristen. Um, we have Suresh. And we have Bruce Padmore. So let me first begin by getting one matter out of the way, why Elizabeth Warren is a racist, okay? 
Some of you may know uh, in 2018, I ran against the fake Indian Elizabeth Warren, and we had a very powerful campaign um, that I want to share with you. And that campaign was a campaign which really exposed Elizabeth Warren for what she is. And we had a uh, very nice um, sign on our bus. Let me bring up and uh, some of you may remember. And this was a signage on the bus. And the signage on the bus said only, and we had a bunch of students who created the bus, only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. And it had a picture of me next to a picture of Elizabeth Warren. Now, what's fascinating was when this came out, all the white liberal elites in Massachusetts got upset. They called me a racist for putting the headdress on Warren. But you must remember that it was Elizabeth Warren who used race to get her job at every place she went. That is racism. Getting back to the core definition, using race, division among people for her personal advancement. She was not an American Indian. We forced her to take the DNA test. And in fact, when we put this sign on our bus, she had the city of Cambridge send me a letter saying that if I didn't remove this sign, that I would be fined $300 a day. Well, we took the city of Cambridge to federal court and we won. But the bottom line is Elizabeth Warren used race, she's not an Indian, to advance herself. That's a racist, okay? And moreover, let's just consider the, the, the utter fact that in Massachusetts itself, in Boston, where she is miles away, she lives in the posh area of West Cambridge, in Massachusetts itself, in, in, in Boston, the net worth, and write this down, you can look it on your own, the net worth of a black individual in Massachusetts is net worth in Boston is $8, according to the Federal Reserve. And the, and the net worth of a white person in Boston proper is $257,000. So Elizabeth Warren has done nothing to at all ameliorate these differences, which is, by the way, we're going to talk about the solution, which is infrastructure. Infrastructure is ultimately the solution to solve racism. And you're looking at someone who's a product of that coming out of India. And we'll talk about that. But Elizabeth Warren is a racist. She used race for her own profiting. She uses race to talk about how she wants to fight for diversity. And it's bullshit because there is no diversity in Boston. Bruce will tell you, Bruce and I went to MIT here and Boston is highly segregated, okay? But the net worth of a black individual in Boston is $8. So how can this person who claims that she's a Senator of Massachusetts support something like that? It's all lip service. Now I'm gonna to go to the other person, Claude, I mean, Scott Adams, um, who has suddenly started you know, uh, some publicity for himself, claiming that he stands for white people, right? That Scott Adams has told white people they, sh they should move away and only hang around with white people. So um, John uh, Medlar is gonna help me with this discussion. So John, um, I think we wanna start off, uh, and again, remember the definition of racism is using race for your personal advancement. I think one of the critical things to remember is, and the story out there is, oh my God, because he's said that that he said that white people should stay with white people. Um, Scott Adams saying, oh, I'm being called a racist, and you know I've lost Dilbert. Okay, so let's look at the actual facts on this, on what's actually going on with Scott Adams and the Dilbert cartoon. Go ahead, John. Let me bring this up. So go ahead, John. Right. So prior to 2016, Scott Adams had been mostly known as the author of the newspaper comic Dilbert. I think anybody who grew up reading the funnies in the newspaper remembers Dilbert. It was first launched in 1989, 33 years ago. It was massively popular and it's the source of all of Scott Adams' personal wealth. He lives in a very nice neighborhood full of LA celebrities and all that. But over the last 20 years, the popularity of the comic has steadily declined by over 90%. So during 2016, during the Republican primary, Scott Adams famously came out early and predicted that Donald Trump would By the way, John, I think you just want to contra and we're using Google Trends here. You can see anime. Go ahead. Yeah, he'd probably do better if he drew, drew anime. But anyway, um, uh, the, the point, um, he made a career switch in 2016 when during the Republican primary, Scott Adams famously came out early and predicted that Donald Trump would win not only the Republican primary, but the entire presidential election. And he did this by marketing himself as an expert on persuasion from being trained as a hypnotist. Apparently he went to school for it, but that was the basis of his prediction. He's the expert on, on persuasion. He says Donald Trump is the most persuasive, therefore Donald Trump will win. And 
Now, he officially endorsed Hillary Clinton at the time, officially for, quote unquote, for his own personal safety. In other words, he assuaged his pro-Trump listeners by convincing them that the only reason he was endorsing Hillary was so that his pro-Hillary Hollywood neighbors wouldn't harm him or something. But anyway, because this prediction panned out, Donald Trump did go on to win the 2016 election. Scott Adams has since been able to set himself up as an internet influencer, and he's been marketing himself off of that and monetizing his personal brand from that ever since, analyzing current events from this specific angle of persuasion, who is being the most persuasive at this point in time. Anyway, a lot but of his- Dilbert, But Dilbert John has been going down. His personal- Right, right, right. This, this entire time, he's been building up his personal brand as Dilbert has continued to tank. So- so because of that initial prediction, how he burst on the scene in 2016, a lot of his audience came from Trumpers because of his 2016 prediction. But during the pandemic, he came out fully in favor of the lockdowns and vaccines. Scott Adams was saying, trust the experts, trust the science. And then he later went on to admit that the so-called anti-vaxxers were correct, but he added the caveat that they were only correct by accident. He maintained that anybody who opposed the lockdowns or the mandates was still an irrational, stupid person, and he was the rational and smart person for trusting the experts, but it was just pure accident and coincidence that he happened to be wrong at the time. So obviously this very top-down, elitist and arrogant attitude really angered a great deal of his audience, so he needed to win back the right-wingers by throwing them some red meat. So he recently made these comments. Wait, wait, John, before you go to that, I think you want to talk about this cartoon by Ben Garrison. Yeah. yeah. So Ben Garrison was one of the people lampooning Scott Adams at the time, basically, you know, the, the, and the cartoon is very accurate to what actually happened. It boils down the whole thing. You know, you have Fauci out there saying, obey the science. And Scott Adams is echoing him perfectly saying, well, Scott, Fauci's the expert and I'm not the expert on vaccines. So I'm going to listen to the expert, trust the science, everybody, and get the vaccines. So then when he turned out to be wrong, he, you know, was very salty about it and said, you were only wrong by accident. You're still all stupid. That, that was, Ben Garrison did a very good job of summarizing what happened basically. And so, um, uh, and so, you know, Scott Adams, again, his, since he can no longer count on Dilbert, he needs to continue building his, his personal brand as his, uh, as his new source of wealth monetizing. But he threatened to, he threatened to sue Ben Garrison. Correct. So he was very, very salty because Ben Garrison was attacking this personal brand of his that he's trying to build and uh, becoming a threat to that by Scott Adams' own contradictions. But Ben, so, Gar yeah, here's Ben Garrison's personal brand was doing pretty well. Yeah, Ben Garrison's been pretty solid. So anyway, um, uh, because Scott Adams had angered so much of his audience and people like Ben Garrison were correctly calling him out about that, he needed to sort of win the right wingers back, so to speak. So recently he made some comments on his regular show that he was giving up on the idea of helping black Americans, saying that they're all hopeless, there's nothing you can do, they hate white people anyway. And he cited some new Pew Research data basically saying that the majority of the respondents of this survey disagreed with the statement, it's okay to be white. And in response to this survey, Scott Adams told white people to just give up on helping black people and just get as far away from black people as humanly possible. Just get away. And and I think the key thing to remember is, so Adams, I think John, the Dilbert cartoon has already been tanking in terms of its interest. Anime has been going up. Yeah. Um, so he, he grifted from Hillary to Trump, right? Mm -hmm. And then he grifted pro pharma because that was the in thing to do. And then when Ben Garrison exposed him, then he tried to grift back and say, oh, well, yeah, I make mistakes and you know, blah, 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 try to win back his audience. He didn't even say that though. He tried to say, well, I didn't make a mistake. You were just accidentally right. So he was even more right. Right, he, yeah, so, so, so and, uh, and then more importantly, more recently, he is basically trying to pump himself up as some guy who's for all white people, right? And this is where we wanna really get into the meat of the discussion here. You see what's been happening is the liberal elites, which is what Scott Adams actually is. He's a liberal elite, let's be honest, okay? He's trying to position himself because he wants to try to make money off this new um, anti-establishment trend. He's not anti-establishment. His support for big pharma shows how pro-establishment he actually is. Elizabeth Warren is pro-establishment. She wanted everyone to get the vaccines. Um, the commonality between Elizabeth Warren and Scott Adams is they use race for profit, okay? Scott Adams has used his quote-unquote support for white people. That's, you know, very clever about it. A lot of white people think he supports them and they're getting enraged by why he was quote-unquote canceled. But just remember, Dilbert was already tanking, okay? Let's be honest about that. 
Kristen, do you want to add, because you found that data, right? You want to add something on that, Kristen? Yeah, I can add a little bit. So John did a fantastic job summarizing that. That was excellent. Um, I can add a couple things. So let's see. Um, I, I One thing that comes kind of after he made those comments, after Scott Adams made those comments, kind of trying to act like he was like for quote unquote white people, even though he's just trying to stoke these racist um, sentiments amongst people. Um, I noticed that the day after he went on a popular YouTube channel called Hotep Jesus. And I'll be honest, I only watched the first beginning of it because it was very long. Um, but he starts off essentially saying that he enjoys attention. Um, and then he went into basically the opposite, um, talking about how he, he, all the things he's done to support black America, black Americans, including working with BLM and all of these different you know, resume of things. So it was pretty clear to me that he's watching which way the wind blows. And I believe that, you know, based on the data that was presented to you just a few minutes ago with John and Shiva, um, it, you know, his, his, uh, his popularity, his personal brand and his books and everything, like no one even knows who Dilbert is anymore. It's, it's kind of run its course. So he's using these opportunistic type moments to, to try to, remain relevant. Um, and even to the point of quote unquote, canceling himself or getting or, or receiving negative attention, he's okay with the negative attention. He just wants the attention. Um, so that's why we talk about this being something, uh, racism also being something that uses division for personal profit, because that's exactly what this person's doing. Uh, and the last thing I'll mention is, he came out today, Scott Adams, talking about how, oh, poor me, um, my publisher just dropped me. Well, as you can see by the trend uh, data that we just showed you, Scott Adams was already tanking. And Dilbert was tanking. Well, the Dilbert was tanking. But if you look at the Scott Al Adams, too, maybe he was uh, he's not. I mean, he's got some like peaks and valleys here with some of his shenanigans that John went over. But as far as and his books are all basically about Dilbert. I don't know too much about the specific, if they're all Dilbert related or not, but it's quite possible that his publisher was already going to dump him. Um, and this is just a good opportunity for him to kind of cry, poor me, I'm, I'm a victim. Um, so a lot of times well, people will play the victim for attention. Uh, and I think that's what he's, Scott Adams is doing. Well, right I, I think the bo bottom line is here, if you just look at the facts, right? Dilbert has been tanking. Um, he's been, he's a, he's a, he's a, John made a very interesting point earlier. He said, Scott Adams doesn't like to use the word grifter because he's a master mm -hmm. grifter. Okay. But let's come back to the, the core definition. We want everyone here to understand what is racism? Racism again is using division and it could be the color of the skin. It could be where you're born. It could be a really, there's a whole motley set you could put under race, right? But it's using these divisions to profit. So you have a lot of liberal elites who talk about diversity and how much they care for. We're going to do a talk tomorrow on this guy, John Stewart. John Stewart talks a lot about how he's against slavery and wants to help people. Uh, a, a filmmaker recently wanted to do a film and was willing to give the script to John Stewart about the last American slave uh, who was a, a, a prodigy musician. And John Stewart wanted nothing to do with it. So these people will talk about you know, wanting to help black people or wanting to help white people, Scott Adams, right? As though he's a stalwart. But what they're really doing is when you trace it back, it's to their personal profit. Um, let me give you a uh, example that uh, we have Suresh here from India. Suresh will share with you in India, you will have politicians who can just go among anyone and start all sorts of riots because the differences in India are so vast. India, you have people of different color, different races, different languages, different food eating habits, north, south, uh, castes, anything. Suresh, do you want to share a little bit about how these politicians work? Yeah, so every two years there's some election going on there and uh, they have these different castes, religion, they use language, they use uh, anything that comes to mind, the skin color, the way people look, the way people dress, the, uh, their accent, anything can be used in India to like stir the pot and uh, make one people get angry at another group of people. And while they do that, all these politicians are running for office, getting their money. And then when they get into office, they rob their 
uh, money, their benefits. So uh, people have to wake up and realize this is all like a theater um, that uh, these politicians use to divide people. Once you're divided, it's like the saying, if you're united, you stand. If you're divided, you fall. Uh, so that's what is being deployed for. If you look at social media, in, in India also, like there's caste, there's neighboring countries, like, oh, that country, is something is happening there. Uh, so these people are upset. There's a reason why in social media you see a certain uh, things trending, like these people are doing something. So don't fall for that. Don't look at that and fall for those things. That's what they want you to Don't become outraged. Don't get programmed so easily. Step back and look. Have discernment. Don't yes, fall so, for so, so, so I think the bottom line is in India in particular, a politician, for example, a Hindu politician will go among Hindus and say, oh, the Muslim thinks you smell. And, you, and another Muslim politician will go to a Muslim and say, the Hindus say you smell, right? And you can start a riot. And they have nothing to do with these people. Look, when I grew up in Bombay, in our apartment, you had Hindus, Muslims, Jains, Zoroastrians, Christians, all living in peace. But one guy could start a riot by saying something completely ridiculous. And that's what Scott Adams was doing. And Elizabeth Warren does that too, okay? She does it for her own benefit, much more directly. So the key thing we want people to recognize is that those in power distract working people, black, white, yellow, red, by sparking, and they do it all over the world. So that's what Suresh is bringing up. So, and why is this being done? It's being done for one reason. And write this down for the almighty dollar or the almighty rupee or the almighty profit or the almighty ruble. Why is that? Well, those in power need to make profit off of you. Okay, so there's six of us, five of us on this call here, and there's about 150 people signed in. Now, imagine that there's one group of people who have white skin color and other people have brown skin color. And you are running a factory floor, okay? And let's say Kristen owns that factory. Well, she surely doesn't want everyone organizing against her and striking. So what does Kristen do? She takes the white people and maybe she pays them 50 cents more. And then the black people, she pays them 50 cents less. So what immediately happens? The white worker thinks psychologically they're better than the black worker. So the, and the, the individual running that factory has created a hierarchy. In India, this occurred with the caste system. The certain Brahmanical priests said, oh, these people are dumb. They should only do this job the rest of their lives. And why did they do that? Because they needed certain people just to clean toilets and pay them nothing. Other people got to be writers and scholars and educators. They got, so, so racism or classism, not classism, casteism, was created to create stratification of the working people. So they could pay one group over another and it had the added benefit that one group thought they were better than the other, okay? And this is actually engineered. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely engineered. And it is, and then the brainwashing is done to tell one group over another, those people are stupid, you're smart, you're smart. In India, for example, a Brahmin child that's told by the parents, you're so smart, you're so smart, you're so smart. Every day he gets pummeled at that. You know, when I grew up in Livingston, New Jersey, and I'll tell you in my last days, I remember the Jewish parents telling their Jewish kids, you're the brightest, you're, you're the chosen people, you're the chosen people. And you keep repeating that, and that has a quote-unquote positive effect on that kid thinking he's actually better, and maybe that brainwashing makes him perform better, all right? So this is a brainwashing that's done to put one group over another, another group over another, but ultimately it's done so you can justify wage differences. Let me repeat that. This racism is done so you could justify wage differences. And so the black person on the factory floor gets angry with the white person on the factory floor. This happens with women's. Women get paid a little bit different than men. So women um, think that the male doesn't hate them and you create this thing called sexism but this is engineered by those in power, okay? And those in power do not want, they perpetuate these differences. So Elon Musk is coming to the rescue of Scott Adams. Well, I'm sorry, Elon, you come from fucking South Africa where 3% of the people subjugate the other 97%. And I don't think you ever stood up against and your mother had to come to your aid 
and say, oh, uh, we couldn't stand up. We would have been beat up. Well, by well, that means you, you really don't want to fight the racism. You profited from it. Okay. So the bottom line is that every working person needs to recognize that a billionaire or an elite in Los Angeles doesn't give a damn about working people. Okay. They have nothing to do with you. So stop promoting their racism because they're profiting by the racism. So what's the solution? I have Bruce here. Bruce and I both went to MIT. Um, both of us came from very humble background. As many of you know, I came from a uh, low caste background in India. My parents came here. When I first moved to the United States, we lived in an all black neighborhood called Patterson, New Jersey. And then my parents, whatever money they collected, they moved to the next neighborhood called Clifton. Why? Because Clifton had a better school system, meaning a better infrastructure. We could take the books home. In Patterson, we couldn't even take the books home. Okay. And in Clifton, my parents, whatever money they got, it was all public schools. Then they went to, to Persephone, which had a little better school system. Again, infrastructure. And in the second or third year in my high school, we moved to Livingston, New Jersey, which was one of the most elite public school systems, which was predominantly all white Jewish people. And me and my sister were the only two dark-skinned Indians among 4,000 kids. And it was fascinating because I won every award. I was, uh, you know, the top of the class. And this perturbed a lot of the, frankly, the Jewish people there because they were told they were the chosen people. And I, and I wasn't. So it created a very interesting level of segregation there and antagonism. And the reason was because they've been told that this group is better than the other. You see, it went against that brainwashing. But that's the point here. Now, when my dad first came to the United States, he was a phenomenal chemical engineer. He was paid one third less than his white counterpart. And that's they justified that because he was a dark skinned Indian guy. Oh, and some idiot here wrote India is a cesspool. And that's a kind of that's a racist right there. The guy's probably never been to India, right? Never knows nothing about India. But he wants to create that division among the Indian people versus the American people. And what he's doing in that, he's perpetuating people of all races uniting against our common enemy, which is a few people who perpetuate racism, like Scott Adams, like Elizabeth Warren, because they profit from it. What's the solution? Um, I'll tell you that the solution has always been infrastructure. The civil rights movement of the 1960s began as a movement for poor blacks and poor whites. In fact, we're involved in that to fight for infrastructure in the inner cities, better food, better water, better school systems. The elites, the Kennedys, another bunch of racists, total racists, took over that movement, anointed Martin Luther King as a head of that movement. And what did he promoted? I have a dream. Well, black people didn't give a fuck about a dream. They actually wanted solutions. They promoted him as a captain of that movement, subsumed people like Malcolm X, who actually wanted to bring infrastructure. And they created the end result of this collaboration was affirmative action, which actually pitted whites against blacks and never solved the infrastructure issues. I'll give you an example. At MIT in 1968, there were only two black, two black people at MIT. Shirley Jackson was one of them, who's now the president of RPI. And during her PhD dissertation, she threw down her thesis and she lectured all of these old white men how disgraceful it was. There was only two black people at the 8,000 people at MIT. Well, the next year they let in around 10 or 15 black students and they let them in as tokens. And these students knew they were tokens and they were, they were set up to fail. And these students did something extraordinary. They took over the faculty club and they said, look, we come from inner cities where we didn't have basic training of calculus and basic stuff that you need to succeed. They didn't give us that infrastructure. We know we're going to fail. We're set up for failure. And then you can say black people are stupid. So what those students did was they demanded MIT create that infrastructure tutoring programs, the Office of Minority Education. And that's how, Bruce, you may want to speak to your own thing. You came from, give a little bit about your background, Bruce. Well, I grew up in Louisiana, New Orleans, and the education system there was not up to par, to say the least, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't near what it needed to be. Um, so when I went to MIT, I was, I, was, I, was, I was at a considerable disadvantage with students that were going there. But I was able to take advantage of, of the infrastructure that had been set up by previous classes. Um, and without that infrastructure there, you can't succeed. You know, they can give you access, but they don't give you the tools or in the background, you're not going to, it's not going to work. 
Yeah, Bruce, and I think the point is that the black students who came in the 60s and 70s fought for that infrastructure, which should have been given in the inner cities. Mm -hmm. And the civil rights movement never delivered on that. So you're a product of that infrastructure, you know? Um, so I think, that, yeah, yeah. And I remember when I was at MIT in 81 to 85, there were a lot of minority students, friends of mine who came and they had to leave because they were failing. And the reason was freshman year, they couldn't even pass the calculus class or the physics class because they didn't have any of this in their high school. And um, so it's really important to recognize it is infrastructure. And I'll give you my personal example. You know, in India, there's a caste system and the people on the top would tell the people at the bottom caste, oh, you guys are stupid, you're dark, you're dumb, you can't succeed, okay? And there was a very important activist, his name was Kamaraj, and he only had an eighth grade education, but he fought for something very powerful. Suresh, you want to tell people what he did, Kamaraj, in India? Yeah, sure. He introduced something called as midday uh, meal scheme, uh, which uh, provided nutrition for all these young kids, and this in turn increased their uh, attendance, uh, the kids wanted to come to school, learn, and within a generation, all these kids who were part of the scheme were more productive members of society. They were- Well, they uh, got protein. What, what he, what it was discovered was that the wealthy people were eating protein. And these poor kids couldn't even afford a bowl of food with even basic lentils. So, and my mother was a part of this, my parents, you know? And they were always told they were stupid. But in one generation, you saw people, gut brain health we talk about, just getting proper food and even one meal with proper protein. In one generation, you see these people graduating, becoming successful engineers, scientists, doctors, et cetera. That's the power, that was the infrastructure that they put in. Today in the inner city in the United States, I think most of these people are eating crap. I'm not only talking about black people, poor whites, poor whites, poor blacks. And so when Scott Adams, the racist scumbag he is, tells people, white people to stay with white people and run away from blacks. And he's doing that fundamentally because his Dilbert is failing. He wants to act as always a star. He's not doing it because he cares about white people or black people. He's doing it because he's grifting. No different Elizabeth Warren saying that she's a Native American. These people are doing it for their personal benefit. But the bottom line is it's infrastructure, 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 period. And that's it. Bruce Padmore is one of the smartest people I know. Um, you know, Bruce and I started a company together. We grew to a quarter, a quarter of a billion dollars in value. And I came from nothing, Bruce came from nothing, but we knew the value of infrastructure. If MIT didn't have the Office of Minority, some of those infrastructure programs, Bruce, you would have been back to Louisiana, you know? Yes. And, it, and those infrastructure is what we need for poor whites, poor blacks, all people. But the elites in power, and I'll end with this, and we'll open it up to some questions, do not want infrastructure. They want poor whites and poor blacks fighting against each other. And they have these morons like Scott Adams, Clot Adams, and fake Indians like Elizabeth Warren perpetuating as though they care for diversity, but they never address infrastructure. Because if they address infrastructure, there's no more racism. And all of us would recognize our real enemy are these 0.0001% of people who basically want to basically exploit people and create these wage differences. That's the bottom line. Racism, divi dividing people, is a pillar of imperialism. That's what it is. And if you don't get that, you're going to be part of the problem. And that's why our slogan that we put up there is Workers Unite. Karl Marx doesn't own that slogan, by the way. That is a slogan that came from the 1920s, the early 1800 movements of American workers uniting. Black, white, yellow, all people. And our campaign, Shiva for Senate, or our movement, Truth, Freedom, and Health, is all founded on this fundamental principle we need to build a bottoms-up movement. And it's about infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. You know, email was invented by me as a 14-year-old kid. For one reason, I had access to infrastructure, okay? I didn't need to go to MIT. I had a loving family, mentors in that infrastructure. So you don't need a lot, just like my parents just needed one good meal of protein a day. And that accelerated their thinking. So let's get back and realize that um, these people like Scott Adams, these grifters, and by the way, you have a lot of grifters like Al Sharpton among the black, they have a whole bunch of black sellouts who the media brings out to say, oh yeah, we gotta help the black people. They don't wanna help black people, nothing. They take advantage, they're poverty pimps. Mm -hmm. So 
the only way forward is infrastructure. And we also have to recognize who the real racists are. Scott Adams is a real racist. He doesn't give a damn about white people. He's doing whatever he does to beef up his brand equity. He's actually Go ahead, John. Well, he's I'm pointing, he's actually anti-white. He's exploiting white working class people, living, living, living among the Hollywood elite. He's acting like he's acting like all oh, the, these poor black people are the problem. And he's not talking about his own neighbors who are the people who orchestrate these conditions and pit black and white people against each other. You know, God forbid that he actually uses his 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 uh, his platform and his quote unquote persuasion to actually help organize people against his own neighbors. But that's, those are the people that he chooses to live amongst the Hollywood elites. So he's never going to go against those people because, again, he chooses to live amongst them. Yeah, and and, 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 and people like Scott Adams are actually supporting BLM. Right, John? Right. Yes. Yep. So this, let's look at this racist fool here. God knows where he is, but he's saying, what happened to BLM? Money-grabbing scheme. Yes, they are a money-grabbing scheme. Uh, but the same individual said that India is a cesspool, and he goes, blacks are violent. So this is a this is a racist right here, okay? This is what you call an absolute racist. And this racist scumbag, that's what he is. He's also talking about like DNA and stuff like, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's set in stone. Right. He's apparently never heard of epigenetics. Yeah, so the fool has never heard of epigenetics. So this is the kind of ignorant people that Scott Adams will mm -hmm. probably, you should probably go suck Scott Adams' cock, okay? And probably Elizabeth Warren, you should sleep with her because that's who these people are. They perpetuate racism because it is to their benefit. They do not want people uniting and really creating a better world. So they promote these very, very atrocious things. Um, blacks are violent. Interesting. I can, let's think about how many lynchings that took place of black people. Okay. Um, and I don't think you want to consider that, right? You don't want to talk about um, a whole bunch of things that took place to white people at the hands of other white people. Okay. Um, so the reality is this is where we get into the racism because as long as we promote these kinds of nonsense, everyday working people are never going to unite. It's going to be pro-black, pro-white, pro, pro uh, whatever it is. And, and the people promoting this are the liberal elites. Okay. And they get the liberal elites get people fired up. So they actually bring out the real racists. They yeah. want to bring out real racists. So anyway, let's take some questions, John. Let's look at some of the questions. Who do we got? Um, any questions here, John, do you say? Um, uh, Dr. Shiva, what is the solution for India's caste-based re reservation system? Yeah, so look, the caste-based system the sorrow that was put into place, again, go back to the core, to divide people up so you could say these people can only be cleaning toilets. These people get paid this wage for only being a palm tree picker and so on. Um, I mean, the ultimate reality is that the caste system is going to end when people of all race or caste, top and bottom, realize how much that diminishes the advancement of a society. So what's also happened in India is that you have politicians who say, oh yeah, we're fighting against caste, like politicians in South India, North India, but they're actually using the caste system, but never to advance the issue. The real solution is anyone who says that they want to end the caste system or racism needs to look at one thing, infrastructure. Are they putting infrastructure in the villages, in the inner cities? If they're doing that, that's how it's going to end it. And I'm telling you that my, both my parents were the lowest of the low caste. How do they make it to the United States? It was food and infrastructure. They found certain people, like Bruce found certain people who were giving him tutoring or knowledge, right? It is ultimately education and the infrastructure for education that's going to do it, period. Thanks. So as, John, you can take that one away. So I think the bottom line is everyone think about from a political standpoint, we have to fight for infrastructure. It is infrastructure that will fundamentally solve these issues, nothing else but infrastructure and infrastructure will cost the elite some money for example the event that took place in east palestine right the car the car pileup okay donald trump and obama did not want to put in the infrastructure the right braking systems in those systems okay so that's a black man and a white man 
didn't want to put in infrastructure and it affected a whole neighborhood. Okay. Obama is a racist. He has done nothing for even in Chicago. So these people talk, Obama talks about helping black people, but he's never fundamentally done that in his own uh, state of Illinois, where he comes from. So they use race to advance themselves, but never solve the problem. They use division to advance their brand equity, but never solve the problem. That's racism, everyone. Does everyone get it? Using division to advance your personal brand or your personal wealth, but never solving the real issue, which is infrastructure, period. That's racism. You wanna solve racism? Put infrastructure, give people proper food. And we're not talking about only racism against black people, we're talking about all people, black, white, yellow, poor people. So the fundamental issue is that's why we say Workers Unite. Ultimately, you'll find out it's a few set of people who make billions and billions of dollars who never want to solve the infrastructure issue because that means they're going to have to put some money out and they don't want to do that. They don't want to solve infrastructure. So they pit black against white uh, against each other. So I hope that's what we wanted to talk about. We don't want to take any more time unless there's other questions. Let me see uh, if there's any other questions before we go. Um, uh, Shiva offended me bringing up facts and DNA. Okay. I guess uh, people don't understand <laughs> something called epigenetics. All right. If anything else, Bruce, you want to end on, let's have some final comments from our panel. Go ahead, Bruce. Well, um, infrastructure, as you said, is a key, is a key, is a cornerstone to solve racism. Um, without it, you're just running in circles. Yep. Suresh? Yeah, please do not fall for all these uh, schemes, these videos. There's a reason why you see one color person hitting another color person to enrage you. Be calm. Uh, don't let that, uh, don't explode at that and then go to crazy stuff, cr say crazy things. We have to work, we have to learn to work together. We have to uh, unite, awaken together. Uh, if we divide, if we, that's what they want. They want us to be divided so we can uh, be mad at each other, scream at each other, and no progress is happening. Meanwhile, you are being looted and robbed. Everything is being take, taken away from you. That's the game. So in order to uh, destroy that, we have to come together. Or else they are going to keep doing that, keep making people hate each other, the way you look, The this guy who is bringing up jeans and all that. Uh, this is what gives fuel to the fire. We need to unite, uh, work, learn to work together, because if we learn to work together, we are, we are going to make progress like it has never been made before. We are in 2020, 2023, we have to make progress. We, have, we should not be dividing and uh, don't fall for this. Go ahead, Kristen. Uh, I think, again, just to reiterate, um, we're talking about racism and it's important to continue to call out the real racism. Um, and as we've said before, it's important for white people to call out other, other white people for the real racism and white people should not be afraid to discuss real racism um, because it is a real thing. It happens. Uh, but it's, it's not the people, the regular everyday working people that we live amongst they are not our enemies. We are all one, um, we're all in the same boat. The elites and those in power are the ones that actually are stoking things like racism in this situation with people like Claude Adams and Elon Musk. And they want us to think that in some cases that they're our heroes. Um, but what is that? They're just like literally fake heroes and they have us all fighting amongst ourselves over things that they, they are actually the ones creating. Like if you look around you, I know if I look around me, it doesn't matter what color, sex, gender identity, any kind of difference on the material level, we're all in the same boat as far as like we're all screwed economically um, at, at this stage of the game. So I do believe, again, that infrastructure is the key. If they those in power wanted to solve these problems, they would have been solved already. Um, I, so I think, I think Kristen, one of the things, you know, we teach at truthfreedomhealth.com, everyone should attend our next open house, I'll put that up there, is that the bottom line is this, that if you look at the arc of particularly any world history, whenever working people came together and united, major gains in infrastructure took place. I'll give you one example. 
you know, the elimination of child labor in the United States occurred from these bottoms up movements of all people of all different races. The highway systems, the public school systems um, were all put in place by these bottoms up movements. The elites did not want, they didn't even want clean water, okay? Everything that working people have today came from these bottoms up movements of people, working people uniting. And as long as those in power can sow those uh, seeds of division and profit from it, and the, the real profiteers are people who claim they're for black people or claim they're for white people. Scott Adams, for example, or Elizabeth Warren, when they actually don't do anything to build that infrastructure. And you can see that. And the only way out of this is you cannot look to the uh, upstairs, which means to these false gods, it's got to come from below. And so that's what we wanted to talk to you about. So uh, tomorrow I'll be talking about this guy, John Stewart, another liberal elite who talks about he's against racism and all that and how he doesn't uh he essentially snubbed a filmmaker who, who wanted was willing to give him away for free his script to do the story of the last black american slave who was um a, a, a prodigy of a musician and it's a very powerful story uh it's called blind tom and uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow but look to these people's actions they're not telling people to unite against their common enemy because they're part of that establishment that that needs they need their migrant workers they need people cleaning their toilets of, of a certain race um and they do not they don't want to do the work right so they they need to divide up people so they can have this wage stratification and they need us at each other's throats and that's what this is about and they want racism they need racism to continue their profitability racism is part of their equation of their balance sheet, their cash flow statement, and their profit and loss statement. All right, everyone, I hope this is valuable. I want to thank Kristen. I want to thank um, Suresh for joining us. Uh, John had to go. He's teaching class. And everyone, go to truthfreedomandhealth.com. And before I end, I will play a uh, one of the videos that we played that hopefully will inspire you um, to get involved and be part of this very powerful movement, Truth, Freedom, and Health. And let me, um, where is that? video here yeah here we go i'll play that for you and we'll be right back we have allowed our country to be taken over from within and the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have they don't this reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people there's only one movement that can do that. Mm-hmm. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left-wing, right-wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media, we need leaders, but they they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. We gotta train people. First with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people, Dave, to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. 
where the biggest disturbance is the not-so-obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow, you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own, quote unquote, people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to vashiva.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people. Two years of MIT control systems, I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it, anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I gotta build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on V as in Victor A. Shiva, vashiva.com, so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there. But we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, VAShiva.com. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Suresh. Thanks, uh, Kristen. Thanks, John. Thanks, Bruce. I hope this is valuable. We'll be doing a follow-up video tomorrow on uh, analyzing John Stewart, you know, claims to be a liberal elite and will expose his racism. He talks about fighting racism, but in fact, he's a racist. Okay, we'll talk about that. And to Kristen's point, we've talked about this. It's very, very important. What's happened is a liberal elites who call white people racist, by the way, um, have done that so no one discusses the real issue of racism like we're doing today. There is a real racism. And when you go down to the depths of it, you'll realize that the real racism is intended to divide black and white. Okay. And when we really d discuss the real racism, it's an opportunity to unite people. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Uh, everyone else stay on here. Thank you. Be well.